M&M Investments. Minus four and a half on the road. I am all in against bad quarterbacks, no-name backup quarterbacks. Featuring Mutt and Merloni. A well-rounded football team. I don't think they lose four games in a row. I think right now it's about three and a half. Brought to you by Twin River Casino and Hotel. Check out the brand new sports book at Twin River Casino in Lincoln, Rhode Island. Now open. Here's Mike Mutnatsky and Lou Merloni. It is the best day of the year. Well, maybe one of the best days of the year. If you're a racing fan, if you're a gambler, it is Kentucky Derby 145. It is, of course, the first Saturday in May. We are back once again as part of the Mutt and Merloni Investments podcast umbrella. Across the board, a full breakdown coming up of the Kentucky Derby. Matt Bernier, Dick Girardi, the cast of thousands. Uh, And then at the end of the podcast, I'll give you my overall take uh, of this race as we get set for what looks like a very competitive Kentucky Derby this weekend. As we are taping this Thursday morning, not one, not two, but three pieces of news that you need to be aware of. And again, we are taping Thursday morning after Mutt and Callahan, so if things have changed since then, please be advised. But as of this morning, the favorite is out. Omaha Beach, throat issue, not considered to be career or life-threatening, but will not run in the Derby. It's going to be 4-1, to 7-2, to somewhere in there. The favorite is scratched out a la... I want revenge scratching out the morning of the 2009 Derby. That year, by the way, 50-1, to mind that bird, was your Derby winner. Uh, You have another injury potentially in Heikal, who as of 11-20 on Thursday is now on the bubble, dealing with a training issue. Kieran McLaughlin's horse is a closer, a big price in the race, may not run on Saturday, so keep an eye on that. That's prior to any other injuries, again, Thursday morning. That's on top of... The weather, which for another year we are dealing with a rainy Kentucky Derby, which adds to the handicapping, adds to the degree of difficulty in these races. These races, sorry Jerry Callahan, are tough enough. These are tough races to handicap. The Derby is like the toughest race in the world to handicap. They are three-year-olds going a mile and a quarter, trying to do something they have not done in their entire careers. And you know what happens? You add wet weather to that, it adds a degree of difficulty not seen too often when it comes to trying to handicap these races. So you have injuries, you have the rain, and you have a handicapping task in front of you. Uh, You want to look at past results in the rain as you look at this Kentucky Derby. You want to get an idea for yourself how these horses run in these spots. At least that's what I do. Uh, Justify a year ago was pretty logical. It rained, and he won. He went on to win the Triple Crown. Mind that bird, uh, when the 2009 No one could have had that horse. You get more random results when you have uh, weather like this. You have to get yourself prepared as you're doing your work to have an idea. If it comes up wet like expected to come up, how are you going to adjust? How is the track playing? What horses run well on that surface? Whether you're at Mohegan Sun, you're at Twin River, you're betting with Express Bet, no matter where you are, Kentucky Derby Party, our goal here in the next 45 minutes or so is to get you informed. I'm not a tout. I'm not guaranteeing winners. There's a horse that I really like in this Kentucky Derby. There's a horse that's price is going to be hurt by the scratch of Omaha Beach in this Kentucky Derby. But it's a horse I'm still going to use all the way around. This is a horse that we'll talk about, and I'll give you here at the end of the podcast, that I think you can key off and make your day if this horse runs one, two, three in the Kentucky Derby. He's got a great trainer. He's got a great jockey. He's got a running style conducive to uh, winning the Kentucky Derby. And I don't think he'll be the favorite. Might be the second choice, but I don't think he'll be the favorite depending on how the betting goes on Saturday. As for uh, the next 45 minutes, you'll hear it in talking to Matt Bernier and Dick Girardi. These are two guys who are expert handicappers. They do this for a living. They both see the race almost exactly opposite. You have one guy in Matt who likes the pace of the race to be fast. You have another guy in Dick Girardi who's making his pick based on a slow-paced 
Kentucky Derby. So this is a crazy race to handicap. We'll try to pick through the details of it, hopefully put you on to a couple of different ideas uh, for the Derby, and we'll go through all the stakes races on the other undercard. A couple of local uh, things to keep an eye on. The folks at Bourbon Lane Stable don't have a horse in this Derby, but keep an eye on the Preakness Bourbon War, who tried to qualify. Uh, Mark Sullivan, a local guy from uh, Somerville, from the Charlestown area, partner in that Bourbon Lane Stables, might have a local Boston connection direct to the Preakness. We do have a New England connection to this Derby. Vacoma, who is running in this race, owned by, uh, in part, the Gatzes Stables, who are based out of Manchester, New Hampshire. The Gatzes had a long history here. Matt Gatzes, Mike Gatzes, their dad, a long history in horses here in New England. They have a speed horse, Vacoma, who won the Bluegrass Stakes, uh, who comes into this Derby at 20-1, to 1, is going to be flashing early in this race, going to be one of the top two or three speeds out of the gate. So if you're looking for local angle, you have one in the Gatzes Stables, you have one in Vacoma with a speed horse that will be prominently placed uh, up front in this race. It is a very tough race to handicap. That's why the experts come on here and do it. Matt Bernier, Dick Girardi joining me here on M&M Investments. Well, never a dull moment when it comes to Kentucky Derby weekend, and the news is fast and furious getting set for Saturday's run for the Roses. Matt Bernier with us in the Daily Racing Form, a staple of all our Derby coverage, our Triple Crown coverage, Breeders' Cup, whatever it's been, he's been there, DRF.com, DRF Formulator, which is the way that I handicap, and a a formulator printout, Matt, that is going to be all sorts of marked up with the news that uh, Omaha Beach is scratched officially as of Thursday morning. High Cal for Kieran McLaughlin as of Thursday at 10.30 when we're taping is also questionable. Uh, it seems like this has become a common theme. Either the, either the weather, Matt, or late scratch is affecting the Derby 48 hours out. Which makes life just that much more intriguing, doesn't it? I mean, you go through, you think you have things lined up. Everything looks relatively, you know, Omaha Beach, deserving favorite, one of the more likely winners, probably going to get a beautiful trip. Hi, Cal. If you like a deep closer, you know that he'll be able to come on at the end. Now he's got an abscess, may or may not go. Um, earlier in the card in the Churchill Downs, unfortunately, Limousine Liberal is out because he had a career-ending injury the other morning. But just, you know, it was a standard lead-up to the Derby Day. And Omaha Beach, it was going to be, uh, you know, 9-2, to 4-1, to one, and he was going to be, as you said, deserved. He was the horse to beat. This feels a lot like when I Want Revenge scratched in 2009, the morning of the Derby. He was the clear-cut, even amongst the four or five horses you and I picked out last week that were real win candidates. He stood among them all, and I think now what you get from a betting standpoint is three or four horses there, led by the Bob Baffert trio, I think are going to be all around the same price. Who ends up the favorite once they uh, go to post time on Saturday night? I think it's probably game winner, and he has now been installed as the morning line favorite, I believe, 9-2. to But like you say, the three Bafferts, I I have a a pretty strong feeling they're going to be the three favorites when it comes to post time. And a game winner based on what he did as a two-year-old. And look, his two races as a three-year-old, they're not bad. He hasn't won either of them, but he's run well in both of them. Um, And he has a victory at Churchill Downs, so that should go into his favor. The interesting thing for me with the scratch of Omaha Beach, who projected to get a perfect trip in here, is now if you liked one of the favorites, this is kind of bad news for you because you're likely to get a shorter price on a horse that you would have gotten a little bit of a better price on. And if you like one of the closers or you like one of the longer prices, you know what, it probably doesn't affect you too much. And in a way, maybe it helps you because your price probably doesn't get affected. But now, arguably, the horse to beat is out of the race. So that's one less one that you need to worry about. But really, it is. I think it's going to come down to the Baffert horses for favoritism. We'll get to our groups that you and I had, see if any of changes and, and make some picks here in a second. Matt and I did an early dive last week. It's probably beneficial to go back because we're going to jump right into the handicapping of this race instead of 
picking around it because we went through this uh, last week on this podcast. And, and the biggest question before we get to some of the horses and some of the picks here is the pace here, Matt, because I, I thought going in, it felt like it was going to be not a paceless derby, but a moderate derby, and there wasn't any real uh, chance of that changing until the post draw the other day. So War of Will, a horse that wants to be forwardly placed, he draws the one. Tax, same uh, spot, he gets the two. Uh, you have Gray Magician who's going to show speed down on the inside. He draws the four-hole. Vacoma, who has, the I, I think, the distinction of being the likely pace setter in this race, he draws the six. And then Maximum Security, the other speed, is in that seven-hole. And it feels like all of a sudden... So much speed drawn inside, and with Bodie Express getting in as a speed horse on the outside with Omaha Beach scratching, it feels like now, if you were looking for a closer, looking for more of a pace in the Derby, you may have gotten it from the post draw. Do you buy into that before the race on Saturday? Absolutely. You know, it is one of those things. We have had fast paces over the past few years, but for the most part, the paces have held up. Um, in a race like this, though, now, with the defection of Omaha Beach and with the way that the post-position draw went, uh, you can't help but think that there's going to be a spirited pace. I keep going back to the sort of middle of the inside gate. Keep in mind, there's two gates for this year, or for all the years, but 20 horses because they can't fit them all into one. Um, I look at five, six, and seven. Improbable, Vacoma, Maximum Security. They all have very similar running styles, but I think the last thing you want to do, especially when it looks like it's going to be a wet track, is get in behind all that muck being thrown back in your face. I think you want to be a little bit more aggressive, and I'm going to be very interested. To me, the key from a pace standpoint is the five improbable because he's been a little bit sort of quirky in his races here as a three-year-old, and the blinkers are coming back off for Baffert. He's going to be one of the favorites in here, but his most recent work, he was very, very keen early on. There's a part of me, I, I could be wrong, but there's a part of me that thinks that there's a real chance that he ends up being the one that's cutting out the fractions as opposed to everyone else. Yeah, I, I, if Mike Smith were on board uh, and and he would had this horse, then I, I might buy in. And I know that, Matt, you what you're saying is what a lot of very smart pace handicappers are saying, that Improbable is going to be part of that first vanguard. I'm not buying it. And, and I see a horse that has shown the ability, especially blinkers off, to be able to sit. I, I don't think – I can't paint a scenario where Bob Baffert thinks he can go to the front, battle Vacoma, battle Maximum Security – uh, and try to hold on in a mile and a quarter. My assumption is that he is going to get in that second flight, try to drive a spot down uh, inside along the rail, get a nice inside trip, and not be one of the front runners because I, I, I don't see a scenario. If you're right, Matt, and he's setting the, the fractions, do you think he can win this race being one of the first two or three horses early on in a race where you and I just said is going to have a faster pace than we thought a week ago? And now, look, maybe I'm on an island here. I think his best opportunity to win is to go. Wow. I don't love this horse in behind that all that stuff, getting that kickback. He's Again, he's been a very quirky horse. He was throwing a fit in the starting gate in the Arkansas Derby. He got a little bit goofy and idled when he made the front in the Rebel two starts back. I think that's why the blinkers went on in the first place. But go back to his two-year-old campaign. He's climbing in behind horses. To me, he's still an unfinished project. He might be the most talented horse in the race. I just don't know if you're going to get a sort of perfect storm for him on Saturday where he's going to act and he's going to behave himself. He's going to act professionally, do X, Y, and Z, and be able to rate in behind runners. Um, look, you have a rat or two, so I think you're probably going to end up being in a position that you're laying out as opposed to me. I would much rather see him forwardly placed than in behind horses. Yeah, I'm going to be fine if he's in that second uh, spot. If you go by the time form pace figures, he has the ability in that second group of horses to close. I mean, he's a horse that uh, has had some good pace figures late, and it's a horse that I, I like on Saturday and one I'm going to key around. So this is the trip that I'm positioning. This is handicapping because you and I see 
what Improbable is going to do from two vastly different angles. You and I both picked out horses that we had as true win contenders last week, Matt, as we get into the actual race itself. Looks like a 19-20 will go forward on Saturday. In your win group, we talked last Thursday, was uh, Tacitus, Omaha Beach, Roadster, By My Standards, Maximum Security, and Game Winner. I'm assuming you had the winner coming from that group of horses. Who did you pick on top in the paper uh, with that scratch at Omaha Beach in the Derby on Saturday? Yeah, if you go back and listen to the pod from last week, you know there was one horse I said I was going to use him definitely in exotics, but I was flirting with the idea of picking him on top. That's what I did. I went with the 14 win-win-win. Um, I, you know, you look at this horse, if you think the pace is going to be spirited, he's going to have something to run at. He's going to be coming from the back of the pack. It's not an ideal running style for a race like this, but we have seen horses in the past take advantage. Um, I think his bluegrass is much better than it looks at face value. He was stopped on the far turn and in dirt racing or just racing in general. When you lose your momentum and you're making your run, it's basically a no-win situation. There's no way for you to kick on and rally again. He just he did just that. He finished. He got his final eighth of a mile in 12-3. and three. Uh, That, to me, projects very well for an extra eighth of a mile. All along, I was concerned that maybe he was a one-turn horse. Well, maybe I was wrong about that. Maybe he is going to be able to get a mile and an eighth and a mile and a quarter here on Saturday. Um, I have to be honest, I'm concerned about the sort of the funny money, the public folks that have never watched a horse race and they see his name, and they're going to bet on win-win-win. It's going to be the My Boy Jack of this year. But um, I like him. I've liked him for a long time. I think he's a good horse, and I'll take a shot with him at 15-1. to 1. Yeah, he's one of the horses I'm going to use prominently, uh, it, really, in, in, in every slot, including the top spot in, in some tickets, because it, he was way too far back, Matt. In the bluegrass, that you cannot make that sort of run. He tried to, but he was too far back. Uh, you go back to his race uh, in Laurel. He caught sort of a wet track that day and ran well against Always Mining, who's going to be uh, a horse to mess with uh, here in the Triple Crown going forward. He gets his jockey back, where he's uh, had some great success with, and uh, Julian Pimentel. I think there's a lot to like with this horse, and at 15-1, to 1, I'm with you. I'm going to use him prominently. Who else do you want to use, Matt, in your top four after that? Uh, win, 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 15-1 to 1 on top, the 14 horse on Saturday. Where else did you go to round out your picks uh, for the DRF and uh, the Derby on Saturday? I went 14, 17, 3, and 16. The 17 is Roadster of the Baffert horses. He's the one I'm most intrigued with just because I, I feel like he is really coming into this in good form. And keep in mind, it was pretty well clear and well documented that Mike Smith was torn between picking this horse in Omaha Beach for this, for this race. He ultimately chose Omaha Beach. We know what happened there. Uh, Florent Giroux has the mount here. Uh, the six horse is by my standards. I just think, or excuse me, the uh, three horse, three horse by yeah. my standards. You know, he's that horse that we talked about. There's always a derby darling leading into it as far as the, the workouts are concerned. Um, he just seems to be coming into this race in great form. I think he goes out for a great trainer in Brett Calhoun, and he has a little bit of a versatile running style where he doesn't need to get caught up in any kind of a hot pace, but he's also not going to come from 100 out of it. And in fourth, I went with game winner. Um, you know, it's just a situation where he's probably one of the more complete horses in the race. I do question if he has improved here as a three-year-old compared to his two-year-old form. But if you're looking for a horse that I feel like you can just basically rely on something from, I think he's going to be game winner. If it's good enough to win, we'll find out. But I think he's going to run his race. All right, you don't have Improbable there, and you gave your reasons why I'm going to be focused in on Improbable. Some of the horses that are going to take money that you don't have involved here, one of those is the number 7 horse, Maximum Security. I'm normally a buyer speed guy, and if I see a horse that has a standout buyer speed figures, Matt, and he's a price like 10 to 1, I am going to bet. But I, I have to admit, for me, uh, the number seven horse, Maximum Security, if he's part 
of at least the top two slots on Saturday, I'm going to lose. I don't like this horse. I think he got benefited. I benefited greatly from a slow play, pace in the Florida Derby. And if I had to pick one horse that has a potential to uh, ruin my tickets on Saturday, that is the seven. Your thoughts, and, and are you going to use them at all, or, or what horse would fit that mold for you of a horse that could blow up your tickets at a decent price on Saturday? You know, when we did the uh, stakes preview for this race on video.drf.com, I said he's the one I have the most difficult time making a call on. Well, I'm looking now. You had him in the win group initially, your your top six, yeah. Yeah, because he's done nothing wrong. And, I mean, it it seems a little bit silly to just sit here and bash a horse that's a perfect four for four, and he's won at different distances, and he's won with different track situations, muddy field or fast, whatever it may be. You're right. He took advantage of a beautiful pace situation in the Florida Derby, but he has looked like a really nice horse out on the track. So, I'm torn. I'm probably going to be using him a little bit underneath, a little bit defensively, but you know, it's a situation where a 10 to one, I would want more than that from a win standpoint. I don't think you get that. I think he's going to be in that eight or 10 to one range. Uh, I'm not going to talk anyone off of him because to me, he is, he's a bit of an unknown. He could easily win this thing, or I could see him finishing up the track. I would use him defensively underneath. Uh, You have no Tacitus either. The wood winner who is uh, three and zero in his last three races gets Bill Mock, gets Jose Ortiz, uh, give me the knocks on this horse. Maybe the perfect trip last time in the wood. No use for Tacitus here, the number eight. I don't know if I would say no use. I just, you know, you go back and you watch the wood. It just felt like they were kind of staggering home. I don't think it was a very strong finish. But having said that, this is the kind of horse that if you're looking for someone that's going to see out the mile and a quarter distance based on his pedigree and the base that is based on the way that he moves, you would like to think that it's going to be him as opposed to some of these other runners. I like that he dealt with a little bit of adversity going into the first turn of the wood bounced around and it didn't really harm him, didn't concern him. He went on with it and did things the way that he needed to. Um, I do just wonder, is he going to take a little bit more money now with the defection of Omaha Beach, more so than I would have liked or have been interested in? Maybe he goes off in that 6-7-1 to range where I would have preferred him in the 10-12-1 to range. Improbable I'm going to use on top, uh, and I'll point out that uh, Bob Baffert, probably mentioned this a couple times this morning, uh, Bob Baffert, last five years in stake races, 5 for 15 when he takes the blinkers off. Uh, he is 12 for uh, 15 in the money. He has been spectacular uh, with this move. He's going to be a horse that I'm going to use with some of the horses that Matt had mentioned. Uh, you mentioned the wet weather, Matt. Uh, how did it, does it affect your handicapping? How does it change uh, the way you'll approach it? I know for me it takes longer now to handicap because you're trying to go back and look to see what horses have done well on a wet track because right now, Thursday morning, it looks like a washout potential for a second straight year at the Derby, and I admit, when we're talking about this race, if we get to Saturday and the track is playing a certain way and you know, it looks like you know you can't be inside or you can't be outside or it's speed or it's closer, it's going to change how I play it. How does the wet weather affect your handicapping? How will it affect your play uh, on Saturday? Well, that, that's just it. You hit the nail on the head. That's how you need to approach it. When I look at this, I say, okay, for right now, a few days in advance, I'm going to look for horses that have run on a wet track and have yep. had some success over it. That seems to be the case for a number of these horses, which is a good thing. doesn't seem like there's anyone that's truly just a complete toss out based on what they've done as far as a wet track is concerned to date anyway. Um, But I think you hit the nail on the head. You need to go. You need to see what's happening throughout the card on Saturday. The difficult thing, even doing that and seeing how the track is playing, keep in mind, there's going to be just an enormous amount of time between dirt races before the Derby and the race prior, which I believe is the Pat Day Mile. Because in between, you're going to have that turf classic. So there's probably going to be about a two-hour gap in dirt races. We all know so much can change in in 30 minutes, let alone two hours. I would just still strongly suggest on Saturday, keep an eye on how things are going. If the inside is gold, if the inside is dead, if speed is carrying, if you can come from way out of it, if speed doesn't hold. You just need to kind of do your due diligence on the day of. But right now, 
you should probably just be keeping an eye on seeing who, see if horses have performed well on off tracks or not, because more likely than not, you're going to have a wet one on Saturday. Win, 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 roadster, by my standards, and game winner, your top four. What's the goal for you on Saturday? Is it is it superfectus? Is it trifectus? How are you going to play the race, Matt? Yeah, over the past few years, I've become more and more intrigued with the superfecta. That, that's a, a wager that feels like you can even have some of the favorites in there, but if you catch a price or two, depending on what slot you use them in, uh, it can make your year sometimes, depending on if it's you know if all hell breaks loose, you can end up getting a, uh, a lifetime kind of a score out of it. But having said that, I'll also probably be involved in the multi-race wagers. I want to have something alive to win, 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 uh, just in case he does end up taking more money in the win pool than sure. he should, uh, which I am truly afraid of. I think he might end up in that 12-1 to range, which I, I just don't like. But um, I, that's, that's basically the way that I'll approach the Derby Superfecta and then try to be alive in some picks. Yeah, for me, this was a tough race, Matt, and obviously Marley's Freedom is the horse to beat. I will ultimately probably take a shot with Rudolph Brissett in the number four talk move to me, a horse that uh, has shown some ability in the past. They sat off those big stakes races last year, brought her back in an optional uh, clay, optional allowance race last time out, uh, looked great at six furlongs, and the seven furlongs, a question, has never won at that distance, but uh, has been working well, uh, has the speed to stay involved, uh, and I want to take a shot against the favorites. The number four talk move to me is a horse that I have some interest in in the Humana Distaff race number six on Saturday. How about race number seven, which is on the turf, the Distaff turf mile. Uh, they're going to go a mile on the turf there uh, at Churchill Downs, and one of your pet horses in here, the number three, Proctor's Ledge. I think, Matt, you have picked Proctor's Ledge nine consecutive years here on the podcast. Yeah, and unfortunately, I'm going to get off this time. Now, maybe that's going to be a mistake because I think she is cycling the right direction. She's definitely a win contender in here. Uh, but I'm more interested in the five. Daddy is a legend, goes out for George Weaver. Um, i got to be honest with you, I didn't love her as a three-year-old. I thought she was just okay. And then all of a sudden, she showed up in the Valley View at Keeneland last October, and she ducked through the inner rail, and she was going to go and win that race for fun. I don't know what happened, but she took a left-hand turn. Luckily, the temporary rail did its job, and she was fine. She came back in the matriarch, and she ran a winning race. She got run down by Uni, who is just a crack miler for Chad Brown, but she earned a 100 buyer that day. Look, a yielding turf course is not going to be ideal for her, I don't think, but I like the fact that it seemed like she took a giant step forward as sort of time went on last year. If she comes back anything close to that matriarch, I think she's got a giant chance at buying. Yeah, it's fun. It's funny you mentioned the wet turf course because uh, pressure use of the number six for Chad Brown and Javier Castellano. I mean, this is a horse, a, a mare that has been over this type of ground her entire career over at Ascot in France. Uh, ran one of her best races ever in a grade one in France on what they listed as a soft turf. It looks like, from all indications, it is going to be uh, soft, yielding, whatever you want to call it. And I know she's three to one. I know she'll go off as the favorite. Could go off at five to two or two to one. But she got beat two back by that same horse, Uni, who you mentioned, by in a race where Irad just outrode JJ in that race, Javier Castellano. Uh, Castellano learned this horse, came back and won the Honey Fox at a mile. She loves a mile. She loves a wet turf course. She'll be the favorite. I'll eat the chalk in this one. Give me Chad Brown and Precious, the number six horse in uh, race number seven, the Distaff Turf Mile. Let's fast forward to that Pat Day mile that you mentioned, Matt, race number 10. Uh, I would say maybe one of the best betting cards, uh, best betting races on the card a race last year that was inscrutable with a horse named Funny Duck winning at about 40-1 to 1 and blowing up everyone's late tickets. It's going to be wet. They're going a mile. Who do you like in the Pat Day mile? This feels like a race that every year is just kind of chaos. Yeah. Some random result happens. I'm going to go and hope that continues. I like the five dunce. I've liked him for some time. Ooh. And really, ever since the Springboard mile wrapping up his two-year-old campaign, kind of felt like maybe he needed a one-turn configuration or slightly shorter distances. Didn't think he ran 
terribly in the Tampa Bay Derby, that grass race most recently draw a line through that. I think this little turn back and getting to one turn particularly, I think that's really going to be to this horse's benefit. Go back and take a look at that Sprendthrift Juvenile, his second lifetime start at Churchill Downs. That was sort of his best race to date. That, to me, that's what I'm banking on him getting back to at 12-1. to 1. Yeah, I, I, I if, if he gets in from the outside off the AE list, I'll have some interest in global campaign. Now he's, he's way outside the 15 or the 14 if he gets in. will be a tough position, but I, I would lean that way if he gets in at 5-1. to 1. I'm going to take a shot, Matt. They, there's too much buzz about Dreammaker, the number three horse for Mark Cassie, not to be a good horse. I mean, he looked great when he came back in his seasonal debut back in February. Uh, figured he didn't like Tampa when things didn't go well in Tampa, but the same thing happened again uh, at Keeneland. He's got back-to-back bullet workouts since. 15-1 to on a horse that a lot of people liked a year ago. What did you think of Dreammaker in this race? I know it's a gamble. What price did he need to include him uh, given his last couple races? Well, he's going to win because I had him in the Tampa Bay Derby and the Bluegrass. And he didn't pick his feet up either time. So I'm off, and uh, he'll probably be in the winner's circle. I think you need every bit of 15 to 1. Yeah. Um, but he is kind of one of those X factors where you know that run three starts back at the fairgrounds. I thought that was the look was of awesome. a Derby kind of awesome. contender. He was awesome. If he gets back to that, he's certainly a player to win this race. If he runs either of the past two, he's got no shot. He's more likely to run last than first. I'm off, which means he's probably going to be the winner of the Pat Day this year. All right, might not be as wet on Friday. The see a highlight there. The signature race will be the Oaks. The Phillies three-year-old going a mile and an eighth. Uh, it's the Bellafina Invitational. Are you with or against uh, Bellafina, who will be two to one, nine to five, major favorite in the Oaks on Friday night? I'm not way against her, but I am picking against her. I think she deserves to be the favorite. She checks a lot of the boxes that Omaha Beach did had he run on Saturday. Uh, I'm going with the Philly just to the inside, the number number three, Lady Apple. Ooh. I loved the effort and the fantasy. I thought it was a beautiful trip, all things considered, until really the top of the lane, when motion to motion made things really tight down on the inside. And most horses, they're not going to go through that kind of a hole. Lady Apple, she went through it no problem, and I like the way that she was finishing. I get it. She took advantage of the pace situation that day, but she's versatile to me. She continues to improve. Steve Asmussen's had a good track record in this race in the past. And she's 20 to 1. I think she's coming into this in great form. I like her uh, every bit of that. I would probably take her in that 10 to 1 range if she went that short, but I might get more than that. I like Lady Apple quite a bit. Lady Apple, a big price that Matt's going to give you in the Oaks on Friday. Can play some uh, Oaks Derby doubles. Uh, If she gets in, I'm going to be all over Dunbar Road. If she doesn't get in, then guess what? I'll take the horse that beat her. Champagne anyone, 6 to 1. On the morning line for Ian Wilkes coming off the win uh, in the Gulfstream Park Oaks back in March. She's been training well there. Churchill down. She's 6 to 1 on the morning line. You get Landeros, you get Wilkes, you get a distance horse. Uh, give me Champagne, anyone at six to one on top. The number ten horse in the Oaks, and should Dunbar Road get in way on the outside, I'll be using the number fifteen horse as well. Uh, there are two great days of stakes races. Matt give us a great rundown on Saturday. Give us the Oaks for Friday. Give me one other spot on Friday that you'll be locked in on, and do not give me newspaper of record. Don't give me World of Trouble. Don't give me McKenzie. I don't want the chalk. Give me a price on Friday. Give the listeners a price on Friday. Race five. It's the first stakes race, I believe, of the entire weekend. It's the eight bells, seven-eighths of a mile for the three-year-old Phillies. I don't think you're going to get the eight-to-one morning line, but I love Lyrical Lady. She has shown big speed throughout her career. She came back off of a long, long layoff and dusted a nice field. Brill, who was the runner-up that day, she came back in her 82 in her next start. The fourth-place finisher was the next out winner with a 76. I think I understand there's other speed. 
I think Lyrical Lady might be the speed of the speed for Asmussen. I think you just send her right to the front. I'm hoping Ricardo Santana and Steve Asmussen have a big Friday, because if they do, I will as well. Uh, he's Matt Bernier, Bernier underscore Matt on Twitter. Uh, Daily Racing Forum, the DRF uh, video section we'll talk about in a second, but DRF Formulator is the way to handicap these races. they got some great packages available at DRF.com all weekend long. The clock report, all the details you need to get handicapped for your derby party, your big derby event this weekend. Uh, videos up for the Derby already, Matt? D- uh, video.drf.com. Do I point people there? Yes, video.drf.com or the Racing Forms YouTube channel. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, Matt. We'll let you get back to work. It's only Thursday morning, so still a couple of days to, to get make some final picks, hopefully put some people uh, on some prices here heading into the weekend. Uh, we'll talk to you in a couple weeks when they uh, run in uh, Pimlico for the Preakness. You got it, Mike. Good luck this weekend. Happy Derby. The hottest Derby uh, podcast guest we've had is not Matt Bernier. It is Dick Girardi who joins us once again courtesy of ExpressBet. You can visit ExpressBet.com for the free Kentucky Derby wagering guide, and you can wager on the races when you can't get to the track right there at ExpressBet. It's got uh, Dick's picks involved. It's got Bob Newmeyer, the great Bob Newmeyer's picks, and a lot of great information uh, at ExpressBet.com. And by the way, it is free. So no pressure, Dick. You've picked – I double-checked – Five of the last six Derby winners on this podcast, so no pressure heading into Saturday. <laughs> Thank you. I, I don't fail any, but yeah, five out of six, that's certainly the best run of my Derby career because there, there have been five and six-year periods where I haven't been in the vicinity, so it's been nice to be on it lately. Well, during that group, two of those have been standout Triple Crown winners uh, in Justify a year ago and obviously yep. American Pharaoh. Did you think, Dick, prior to being scratched out of the race on uh, th- Wednesday night, did you think Omaha Beach had that triple crown look to him? Was he uh, your pick before he was scratched out? He was my pick, um, and I wanted to see how he would run and if, in fact, he was going to win, how he was going to win the Derby before I'd be able to answer that question. Would I have been as confident with him as, say, Justify or California Chrome? No, not really, uh, but I think he was a really talented horse. And just a real shame uh, Mr. Mandela and Rick Porter and the crew won't get a chance to see him run. We'll get to see him later in the year, hopefully, but it, it, it's just it's, you only get one chance at this race. That's the disappointing part. Well, he, he felt like a standout on figures. He felt like a standout yeah. when it came to – uh, just the way he'd been working going in, there were really no negative reports uh, about his uh, appearance there in and around Churchill Downs. I think what it leaves you with is a group of, at least on paper, three or four horses that, I don't know, they, they, they feel very similar when you look at Improbable, you look at Game Winner, you look at Roads through the top three for Bob Baffert, maybe Tacitus, the Wood Memorial winner. It doesn't feel like now there's a real standout in this field. Could not agree more. Yeah, I mean, I can't even pick the winner among the three Baffert horses, and I'm not sure he can. And when you listen to him this week, last year he was incredibly confident. Uh, with American Pharaoh, he was basically telling you we can't lose. I'm not getting that impression. Not that he doesn't like all three of his horses, but I don't think any of them come with the credentials that his two Triple Crown winners did uh, in 15 and 18. So as you look at this field now, where, where's the confidence lie, Dick, as you try to make it six out of seven where do you land in this field of uh, what will maybe be 20, maybe 19, depending on what happens with Cal and Kieran McLaughlin in the next couple of hours? Maximum security is my pick. It was interesting. He was actually third on my original express bet picks. Um, and because of the way the races changed style-wise with Adam Omal Beach, I jumped him over by my standards because I think maximum security has a chance potentially of leading all the way like he did in the Florida Derby. Now, I know he got an easy lead where nobody really went. The fractions were soft, but 
man, you look around this race, there's not a lot of wants uh, in these horses, not a lot of horses that are out there early. Uh, this is your only undefeated horse, four wins by 38 lengths, has the only two buyer speed figures of 100-plus. Now, I know Jason Service isn't a national name, and certainly the way Baffert or, or Bill Mott or Richard Mandel is, but people in the game, and I know you know this, Mike, he's been hot for a number of years now, and he just won 45% winners at the Gulfstream Championship meet, which is unheard of. So I, I give maximum security a big chance. And people say, well, Jason hasn't really been on the big stage. Well, that's true. Uh, but he, he had two Breeders' Cup horses last year. Both of them barely lost. So he's getting closer in these big races. So, yeah, I ended up on maximum security. The, the concern I have is that he's just untested when he's under pressure because yeah. uh, he's just beaten bad fields. Uh, and, and the Florida Derby was kind of a walkover. So I don't know the answer to that. He could end up making me look bad. He could run 12th. Uh, but I think he's more likely to win than run 12th. But if he runs very badly, that wouldn't shock me. I knew there was no chance Omaha Beach was going to run badly. Uh, that's why he would have been my preference because I knew he was going to fire. Yeah, I, so he's the horse that, to me, if he runs in the top two slots, I, I, I'm dead because I, I can't – Envision a scenario, and you just pointed out if there's not going to be a pace, then obviously I see it. But he can't sit behind horses, right? Like he has to go. So when War of Will goes from the rail and the other speed horses down inside go, do you think he can sit, or is your envisioning this race as you play it out in your mind to come up with him as the winner at ten, nine, eight to one? Does he have to go wire to wire to win this race? I think that's the best scenario for him. I don't think it's his only scenario. I went back and watched the tapes, and it's. Third lifetime race was a sprint and a muddy track, which we're clearly going to get again on Saturday, where he sat off and and won pretty convincingly. Now, obviously, against optional claimers. I I do think he can. Uh, When you watch him train, he trains that way. He just trains very differently than any other horse around. I mean, you look at the times, you just laugh at him. But that's how Jason trains. They all go slow. Uh, So I do not think he's a need-to-lead type. But I will say this. If you look at his three sprint races – there's nobody in this race that has that kind of speed. I mean, I know they're talking about sending War of Will because he's got the inside post. He's not that fast. And it's like you can send, you can send them all you want. If they're not fast enough to get there, they're not fast enough. Maximum security to me, his biggest thing he's got going for him is the fact that he has that sprinter speed. Um, and so I'd be shocked if he's not in the top two or three. And, yeah, do I think he can pass a couple? I do. Uh, do I know that for sure? I don't. If best case scenario, I see him coming out of the first turn two in front and running like 47. Well, I would also point out that people are going to see the form, Dick, and they're going to see that he was offered up for a maiden 16 back in December. And correct me if I'm wrong, that was not because they didn't think the horse was talented. This is a sale altogether, right? The Gary Mary West, the owners, were getting rid of New Year's Day, who's the sire, and all the horses associated, and he ends up running well and they keep him. But this was a, a, a dispersal sale, not in... Uh, a breakdown of how talented they thought the horse was. Do I have that correct? I think you do, and I think they clearly made a mistake. <laughs> they, right? They, yeah, the they Florida Derby winner was offered for 16000 back in December right. at Gulfstream. Which, which happens in horse racing. They didn't know, apparently, what they had. And sometimes you, horses can do things in the morning, but some of them are really competitive. They love to get the starting gate, and they love to run. This horse would appear to be one of them. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why he could potentially run really badly. Maybe there's some issue unknown that we just don't know about. And if it's going to manifest itself, it'll happen in the Derby in the crucible of that race. Uh, But, uh, again, he is the only undefeated horse. He's winning by big numbers. 
He's got the buyer figures. He's got speed. The trainer is really good. He's just untested at this particular level. Um, and I, in these derby, this run of derby winners that I've had, they've all been to similar style. If you yep. look at these last five derby winners, it's been, all right, show speed, get position, make a run on the far turn, hold off all the closers. Yeah. That's kind of what I see for maximum security. But, again, if you're saying, am I as confident as I would have been in Omaha Beach, the answer is no. All right, so a couple prices there on top in 10-1 to 1 and 20-1. to 1. Is it the other Bafferts for you underneath? Any other prices, Dick, you want to use in your tickets? Yeah, no, I think it's the Bafferts are the next three in some order. Um, I'm kind of rooting for improbable. If he wins, I had a good friend of mine who bet him at 125-1 to 1, uh, the morning of the Breeders' Cup last year when he was in one of those undercard races. So, He's now got 125, a 5-to-1 shot at 125. So I think he's live. Uh, obviously, the two on the outside are live. Game winners never run a bad race. Although, as I pointed out in the, in the express bet guide, he's no faster now than he was six months ago. That's yeah. my concern. Did he go anywhere from 2-to-3? And Roadster, uh, I texted Bob about the Pennsylvania Derby last September. Uh, who was common, turned out McKinsey came, and he said, look out for Roadster. He's my next superstar. Then he had that wow. throat problem. He was off for six months. He's come back with two wins, including the SA Derby beating game winner. So, yeah, I would think any of them are live. And Look, if Pafford's back in the winner's circle with one of them, are any of us going to be surprised? No. Uh, as for this race, real quick, Dick, before we run into some other races on Saturday's card, the uh, what, what will you look at from the wet track perspective? Is it the horse's record on a wet track? Is it the their buyers they run on a wet track? Is it the Tomlinson number? What do you look at to try to account for what we'll see on Saturday, which feels like a washout condition? Yeah, I think one of the problems is uh, you don't have enough horses who have experience on it. Maximum Security's one on it, and probably was second in the Arkansas Derby to really get a great handle on it. So I will probably just look at it like it's a horse race, and I may end up on the wrong horse because he hates the track. But I just think with these three-year-olds with so few races, Mike, you just don't know. You really just don't know who's going to like it or, or not. All right, let's take a look at some of the other races. Part of the late pick five will be race number eight, the now grade one. Churchill Downs, grade two a year ago. They've upgraded to a grade one. Uh, these are a lot of horses. They're fast horses. No limousine liberal. Uh, he suffered a career-ending injury in training this week. He will not run the number two horse, but they're fast. They love a wet track. This feels like one of the best betting races on the card, race number eight on Saturday. Yeah, my biggest concern here is the seven furlongs. There's just a lot of unknowns with a lot of logical horses in, in the race. Um, I, I ended up going with, I, I don't know how we do we say Matoli? Matoli, you got that eight? right. A, what, a, a freakishly talented horse, yes. Yeah, I mean, he, his record is just crazy. Uh Nine starts, six wins, two seconds, and a third. And even the, the races that he got beat, he ran really well. And, and he's on a bit of a roll, uh, four straight triple-digit buyers. The only question I have is the seven. All of the listed races are at six. And so it doesn't sound like a lot, those 220 yards. But sometimes, especially if you're under pressure, which I think he's going to be under some because there's a lot of heat in here, uh, that last uh, harder charge could be problematic. If that's the case, if, if Matoli doesn't get there, I would certainly think Whitmore is going to run great. He was completely out of his game last time against Matoli. He had to challenge him early. That's not how he runs. He wants to run from off the pace with a pace in front of him. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going to go with the eight in that race, Matoli. I'm going to use Matoli prominently. The price horse I want people to keep an eye on is the number seven Warriors Club. Almost won this race a year ago in similar circumstances. Sloppy track. He just missed a limousine liberal who loves Churchill Downs. 
This horse has a win, two seconds, two-thirds, and 12 races at Churchill. He is 7-for-10 in the exact at seven furlongs. He'll be every bit of 12-to-1. Make sure you use Warriors Club in your exactus and your tries in what looks like a really competitive race, uh, the eighth race, the Churchill Downs on Saturday. The following race after that, three-year-olds on the turf, always a fun race. It's the American Turf, grade two. Who do you like of this group? Last year, Todd Pletcher and Maraud upset at a nice 9-to-1 uh, fat price in this one. I have very few rules in life. Ooh. One of them is if Chad Brown is in a turf race with an Ortiz <laughs> brother, pick up. So I'm picking the three digital age with Irad Ortiz, who's having a ridiculous year, already 130 wins in, in early May. Uh, just amazing run he's having. Two for two. Uh, hasn't run particularly fast yet. Uh, you're, he comes from way, way back. Missed the break in both of his starts, but – that's just a combination I can't get beyond. Listed at six to one. Now I will be shocked if this horse is six to one in this race. I would be gladly taking it, but uh, I, I like Digital Age. There's some other really good horses in a race, but yeah, I'm going f- with the Brown Ortiz. It's combo. a fun race. These three-year-olds that they had a little taste of the dirt, but they're really bred for the turf. Uh, and one of those is Social Paranoia for Todd Pletcher, the number two horse who. Yep. Uh, it got two back-to-back turf races late last year, ran into 40 under, and did not disgrace himself in those races. They gave him a break. He came back, and he crushed in his return race. He's not, his 95 buyer speed figure stands out in this group. He's 10-1 to on the morning line. Social paranoia for Todd Pletcher and Manny Franco is a horse you've got to keep an eye on and has a, uh, a success experience over a yielding turf course uh, back in September. Uh, you mentioned Chad Brown. You mentioned the Ortiz brothers. It's Chad Brown. It's the Turf Classic, race number 11. Maybe the most talented turf horse in the country, Bricks and Mortar, the number 12 horse, Chad Brown, Irad Ortiz. He looks tough to beat in this spot, Dick. I can't do it, and I'm not going to try. Uh, seven for nine lifetime. Uh, what's he won three in a row going back yep. to December after a long, long layoff. He's a horse that, I mean, doesn't win by big margins except the, the one at Gulfstream. So it's a little scary, but uh, again, it's just the combination. And I don't think this horse can be five to two. I know it's a twelve horse field, but they, the problem with Brown and Ortiz, as good as they are, and they're the best combination around right now, they all get over bets. So you're getting all the worst at the price, but you know what you are getting? A lot of winning tickets. Uh, Dick, real quick, uh, we do a state of the game. We talk about uh, these races with you. What went on in California and the state of uh, the, the breakdowns in California and the way that the industry reacted? Lasix is going to be phased out at a lot of major racetracks. I know Tim Layden wrote about this in SI this week. It feels like horse health, horse, health, uh, horse safety is going to be on the radar the next year or so. How do you envision the sport changing with more people getting involved and, and, more, and, and factoring in the safety of these horses? How drastic of changes is the game going to see in the next year to, to three years? Yeah, it's obviously number one on the list. If the horses aren't safe, we just don't have a game. Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Tim's story. It's terrific. Get on SI.com and read it. I think he covers all the bases and explains exactly how it's all playing out. My uh, read on what happened at Santa Anita was, and not that we don't need to find a way to make horses more safe, but I think they overreacted to a, a, a something that was they cost. Uh, it was the racetrack. That was the problem. If otherwise, Mike, it would be happening at every racetrack in the country yeah. because of whips or Lasix or whatever else they wanted to come up with. They had an incredible rainy uh, winter in Southern California. That track's not made for it. Unfortunately, the track was unsafe. They, they waited too long to close it. 
it was just a mistake. And then I think the people that owned the track, the Stronics, I think they were trying to divert people's attention from the reality of what was going on. But you know what? Maybe some, something good can come out of it because all the things they're talking about are fine. No problem with any of it. Yeah. It's all stuff that needs to be addressed. But I do not think that's the reason why what happened at Santa Anita happened. I just think they got a track that got away from them, and unfortunately they should have closed it before they did. Yeah, not some great decisions uh, from where I sit uh, 3,000 miles away. We urge you to check out ExpressBet.com, their free wagering guide, where I'm looking at it now. One, two, three, four of the, the six uh, experts all picked Omaha Beach, so there's going to be some changes here, folks. You want to get the updates, uh, Numi and Dick and Steve Bick and these guys will update their picks. Uh, ExpressBet.com, it is free. It's the place to wager when you can't get uh, to the racetrack for the Triple Crown. Dick, as always, excellent work. We'll talk to you uh, prior to the Preakness here in a couple of weeks. Look forward to it, Mike. You can't explain handicapping more than you know, the last 40 minutes or so. Two guys who are both smart handicappers, both see the race completely different, both going with different horses for different reasons. Matt Bernier is on win-win-win because I think the pace is going to be hot, can come from off the pace. Dick Girardi going to maximum security because there won't be a lot of pace. So pace makes the race, uh, as we've talked about over and over on these podcasts. If you can pick out the pace of a derby, pace of a, a race at uh, on Sunday afternoon at Aqueduct, you've got a much better shot to uh, handicap and pick out a winner. And that's the decision you have to make here. For me, I, I think it's more likely to be a hot pace than a slow pace, and I think improbable the number five horse has the chance to sit off that first group of speed horses, swing out wide late under Irad Ortiz, and close like a freight train. He's run two races so far in 2019 off his comeback from a great 2018. Not disgraced in either one of those races. Uh, showed a great uh, ability to run on a wet track last time, running second to Omaha Beach. Omaha Beach would have been the favorite in this race. Improbable loss to him by a neck, just could not get by. That was with blinkers on. They'll take the blinkers off, and again, huge staff for Bob Bob Baffert. Blinkers off, he is 5 for 15. That's 33% winners. That's a big number from a training standpoint. He's 12 for 15 in the money. So 12 of the 15 times in stakes races, he has taken uh, a graded stakes company. He's taken the blinkers off, a horse who had him on before. He has been in the money. 12 for 15 is what, 80%? I think it's right around 80%. That's a monster number. And so for me, I'm going to pick improbable to win this race at hopefully 4 to 1, 9 to 2. But I'm going to use them every single which way in exact, exact as in trifectas with the other logical horses that we have talked about, like win, 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 game winner, Tacitus. Uh, there are plenty of horses you can play around with around improbable. Uh, and if he runs in the money, you are going to get paid in the trifecta. I'm going to use Tax uh, as a speed horse down on the inside, Code of Honor. I'll use Vacoma. I'll use By My Standards underneath. Uh, I'll probably use some Cutting Humor and some Country House as well, maybe in some spinoff, but... The key for me is going to get improbable on top, improbable uh, singled in all three slots of the trifecta with the other logicals, every which way, shape, or form, to put myself in a position where if this horse does what Bob Baffert, Bob Baffert horses do when the blinkers come off and races like this and runs one, two, three, we will cash. And, and these races, these derbies, uh, the tries, the supers, even with logical horses, you get one long shot in there, in the trier super, you are going to get paid. Hell, in the exacta, uh, or winning the derby as a favorite with the exacta there, a long shot underneath for Dallas Stewart, paid big money. So my key is going to be improbable Bob Baffert, the five horse. If you made me pick them in order, I'd pick uh, the number five horse, Bob Baffert's improbable on top. Uh, I would take win, 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 Matt Bernier's pick. I'm actually going to take him second uh, at a price. I think he's got a, a good opportunity to run into the money in this race. Uh, I thought game winner, the number 16 horse, 
had a big shot as well for Bob Baffert at 5-1. to one. And then I'm going to use uh, a closer to round this thing out. That will be the number 13 horse, 13 horse excuse me, Code of Honor. We have not mentioned uh, so far as a, as a recap this thing. I had no pace to close into in the Florida Derby. Won the Fountain of Youth two races back when he got a pace to run into. And if I think the pace is going to be hot, Code of Honor will come running late. So for me, I'm going to take the five, improbable on top, followed by 16, uh, 14, 16, 13. Easy enough for me to say improbable, win, 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 game winner, code of honor. That would be my top four uh, in this race. If I had to have a fifth horse, it'd be Tacitus, uh, the Wood Memorial winner who is going a little bit under the radar so far this week. But this again, this is Thursday morning. So hopefully if you're listening this Thursday afternoon, Friday, you're in the midst of your handicapping. You can follow me on social media, on Twitter and on Instagram, same handle, MuttWEI. I'll be doing updates there, different picks, different ideas uh, throughout the course of the day, both Friday and Saturday, more likely on Instagram uh, than Twitter, but you can follow along on both, do some updates there. And then uh, Saturday, I will be at Mohegan Sun uh, for their great derby event. Been hosting that now for 11 years uh, with some great guests. Anthony Sabia will be there, Jim Mazur as well. Uh, taking pictures, doing a lot of stuff down there. So if you're in the area, come by. If you can't make it to Twin River uh, and place your bets there, if you're in the Connecticut area and want to make the trip down, uh, we'll be at Mohegan Sun. It's a free event. Hope to see uh, many people there because this this derby feels wide open at the top. There's a group of horses that feel like they can all win, but there is no standout. You know what that normally means? A big opportunity for us as handicappers uh, that look at this thing every week, as weekend players, as Hell, just Derby fans, this is an opportunity to bet a little and make a lot with this Derby. Omaha Beach scratching out on a wet track. Things are going to be crazy, and hopefully we sent you in a direction to find some winners. That's the goal. Winners, winners, winners. We urge you to bet with your head, not over it. Best of luck on Derby Day 145 this Saturday. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. M&M Investments for Preakness 2019.